Borat Song Earthlets. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 97th episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for April and May 1983, progs 313 to 316. This week... Yeah, it's good, man. This week, Skiz gets sick, Slade gets dead, and Dread gets pregnant. Whoa! Oh, man. <laughs> it's like that movie with uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. except with an alien baby. Right, yeah, so this time it's... If Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, a- the movie Alien had a baby. Right, or if Junior starts with Mr. Stallone. Ooh, you gotta think oh. about it. That's some next level. <laughs> Great. Um, but if you want to read along with us this time, you'll find the comics we're covering today in the Judge Dredd Completes Case Files 6, Rogue Trooper Tales of New Earth 1, Rogue Hunter the Droid, the Droid Files 2, and the Complete Skiz. Uh, and then you'll find uh, the Big Clock and Dr. Dibworthy's Disappointing Day collected in the Complete Alan Moore Future Shocks. And those are weird. Hey, you know, we're always going to get to them. But first, oh, things are sad as we go to Thrill One Robo Hunter. God, it gets weird. It's so weird. It gets real weird, yeah. So, <laughs> script robots Alan Grant and John Wagner is Grant Grover. Art robot Ian Gibson, letting robot Steve Potter. Oh, damn these tiny mechs. I hate yeah. them so much. They're all over the place. Fighting me, shooting me with lasers. Getting in, getting all tiny up in my business. Uh, yeah, so Sam Slade has identified the teeny max as the robots that stole the crown jewels. He goes to tell the cops, but, you know, I mean, the problem is that he doesn't really have a lot of actionable information about the teeny max. <laughs> this is, like, super fair. Like, the cops just, like, can you, like, just ask him a series of questions, like, do you have anything I can do with this? No. Okay, right. Do you know where they'll strike next? Do you know who controls them? <laughs> no, I don't know anything. Then why, why are you wasting my time, man? All you, yeah. Police officer. All you've done is told me that they're called teeny mechs. That's all you've added to this investigation. <laughs> <laughs> so... Oh, my God, it's real good. Yeah. So Sam heads out, but he also learns that the reward for finding the jewels is 10% of their value and a knighthood, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, um, Sir Sam Slade. Yeah. Which... Oh, okay. <laughs> now, I was going to say also interesting, or also interested, is in Sam Slade is a guy sitting in a bunch of view screens. Oh, it's, uh, it's a creepy, unknown person, even That's... when the reveal is there. He's got yeah. a butt. A forehead. Got a forehead, but Sam <laughs> Sam continues watching news reports about the Teeny Mechs when suddenly uh, a fleet of them attacks his office. Let's not gloss over the fact that uh, once again the Chinese city is called yeah Chinese. yeah it's called Chinkse. That's not cool. I mean, you know, yeah, they this Teeny Mechs have also stolen some big ring from uh, for, from there as well. But yeah, so the Teeny Mechs break in. Sam's come. Sam comes up shooting, but gets hit in the head. Whoa, no. Yeah, not good. Well, and like Hoagie was about to help him in comical Hoagie fashion, yeah. but you know, Sam's just it's real great. It's already yeah. starting off great. I love it when Teeny Max gets shot. I Definitely, when he gets captured by Teeny. Seriously, <laughs> yeah. So Sam gets shot by a Teeny Mac. Hoagie tries to negotiate with them, but gets blasted as well. Even Stogie gets chomped by the razor sharp teeth of one of the Teeny Macs. Yeah, it's terrible. Sam Sam wakes up and he's being held at gunpoint by the Teeny Max. One of them's got a giant nose that's a barrel of a gun. Um, a face comes up on the view screen, an old guy with a messed up face and a forehead butt. He <laughs> swears revenge at Sam <laughs> and says that he'll kill Sam before he can foil his, the old guy's plans. And he's, he said, we meet again, Sam. And Sam's like, yeah. I don't, who are you? Definitely. Sam is defiant and tries to escape, but there's too many of these dang mechs, and he gets shot in the back and falls. His head is destroyed. He's got zero brain activity. Shot through the heart, and you're too late. You give love a Sam Slade. 
It's a shot through the head, by the way. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, anyhow, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not proofreading you, buddy. That was a good. I'm, I'm all in favor of that. I love um, you. A lady finds the ruins of Sam's office, and the robo, and the RoboCops are called on the scene. Hoagie and Stogie are repaired, and they learn the news that Sam is dead. Oh God, this is it's, he's. Former dead muerto. <laughs> At the hospital, they try to keep Sam from getting switched off life support, but he's got no brain activity, man. He's gone. Or so it seems. Because as the button is pressed, Sam's spirit rises out of his body. Whoa, it's ghostly Sam. And of course, on his way up, commenting about how handsome he is. It's true. Well dead. Hoagie swears revenge. I'll make a pay in blood, yup. <laughs> and that's great. And Sam is greeted by Wilkinson, official courier of the Department of Heaven. And man, we ain't gonna float up there or take a stairway. I got a nah. dope ride. Yeah, they take a sweet hover car. They pilot uh, up. <laughs> don't mind buckling in because whatever. Hey, you gotta be safe. But they fly up to the pearly gates of paradise, and verily, pal, I am sore amazed. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty weird. nice. Yeah. yeah, it's a good like kind of space heaven. So Sam arrives. It's then a time to face the Department of Immigration. The halls are full of the recently dead, including kind of a, like a sad one where it's just like a kid saying, "Where's my mom?" But also like an old guy in a tracksuit being like, "Oh, go exercise." She said, "I got a heart attack as soon as I got out the door." And then like uh, you know, couples still arguing about like driving after their car accident that killed them and stuff. Uh, kid who went for a third crispy weed and apparently that's the one that killed him yeah i think i'm imagining that's like a like a like a sh- like a uh what do i want to say like a shredded wheat one of the things where like it's the big brick or something um so sam gets is finally gets his name called and he meets his defense counsel more iscariots which is kind of funny um I guess you need a defense counsel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're going to be, you're going to go before like a big board of judges. So you got to have a lawyer that can sort of help you navigate it and stuff. <laughs> he, he asks Sam a whole bunch of details about him. It's the pretty good robo hunter stuff of like, you ever kill anybody? Yeah. I mean, a couple thousand, but it was by accident, you know? <laughs> um, like basically just goes through a list of all the like commandments and like deadly sin sins and sam's like yeah i did all that i built, I built an idol once i don't know but uh oh, that'd be great uh eventually he's like but oh but did you honor your mother and father and he's like yeah i did we're like okay we got that at least um <laughs> yeah, but we can we can edge in some of that right they go to the hearing room passing hitler who's waiting for his 15th appeal and it's like i'm okay with hitler just just not getting any more appeals that's fine but uh i mean i i imagine you only get so many right i mean you know, i guess they've got eternity so whatever yeah um and it turns out that it, that uh, there was, in fact, an incident between Sam, his father, and a cheese laser. But his father's transplant was successful, so I don't see what the big deal is. Yeah, um, the doesn't co- he doesn't love his dad. Yeah, the cool cyclop, the panel of three cool cyclops angels that stand in judgment over all of us, apparently, um, <laughs> so seem, cool. seem pretty ready to send Sam, Sam to hell. But it turns out that there's actually two Sam Slades, and they can't set this Sam to hell while the other one's still alive so instead he's just, they just adjourn the case and he's just a ghost so like this is what's crazy is that the the the, the lawyer he gets is like you've got to go find him and it's like wait what what That's... like how is that a ghost's responsibility at this man point? I don't know like, what is and isn't a ghost yeah I don't know what a ghost's responsibilities is and aren't you know that seems reasonable I don't know <laughs> I, I just feel like you know it seems a little weird. They're like, look, man, we're not going to, you know, send you to purgatory quite yet or maybe hell. Yeah. Uh, you got to deal with this. And it's like, <laughs> it's not by his choice. He doesn't even know he's got a double. Hey, we got to do a lot of stuff that we don't want to do in our life, you know, especially, especially after we get out of court. That's all I'm saying. Like, I got to do all kinds of stuff I don't want to do. But anyhow, uh, so Sam. Doppelgangers coming to play. Yeah. Doppelopolis. Yeah, so Sam's a ghost. He's got to sort out this doppelganger business. Next time, a haunting we will go. Great. So Sam's a ghost now. Yeah. Ghost Sam. It's going to be good. 
We're gonna have some good ghost adventures with Sam coming up. I'm pretty stoked about it. Oh, that's great. I'm into I'm into him being a spoopy ghost. Yeah, I think it's gonna be good. Would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't a few meddling robots. Oh, that yes, excellent. <laughs> oh, I hope they make some Scooby Doo illusions. I I I I, I kind of doubt it. But speaking of out of control teenagers, let's go to Thrill Two Skiz. Oh yeah, skiz time. Skiz is always done. It's a script robot, Alan Moore, art robot, Jim Bakey, letting robot, Tony Jacob. So we are back with Roxy's rock and do. Yeah. Hair is dope. Totally. Yeah, man. She is the, the, one of your cooler, uh, 1983, 15 year olds, if you ask me. But, uh, <laughs> again, the, the direct comparison is, is she or is she not Wolfie Smith? If no, then better. <laughs> oh, a thousand times better. Jeez. Strong female lead also. Yeah. So, uh, okay. yeah. So, so Roxy, Roxy O'Rourke is buying baby food to try to feed her alien friend Skiz. But of course, the gossiping old biddies at the counter assume it's for her baby. I'm like, oh, they're having them so young. Oh, it's the face of the world. I'm like, don't judge me, lady. On um, she could be a babysitter, like what the, or maybe love baby food. Like, yeah, maybe she just do? she's just taking care of RoboCop in her backyard or something oh, like that. You know, I just watched that this week. So. <laughs> yeah, man, I got this baby food, that's dude. The best. It's my favorite movie. It's one of my favorite movies. But anyhow, um, on the way home, she bumps into some of her father's friends, the very cool Laws and Cornelius, a balding dude with a band-aid on his forehead. He's a man of few words, but he's got hey, his man. pride. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I love the introduction of these characters. I love that they need very little explanation. It's like, hey, you know, I know I'm your dad's friend, blah, blah. Like, yeah. we're helping out. We're helping out like a, a family buddy. Yeah, and I want to say for the, the record, Laws is very cool. He's got like a pompadour and a leather jacket and stuff like that. Oh, um, yeah, man. A little bit of a lout, but, you know. He's yeah, no, he does. Old. Yeah, he definitely, <clears throat> honestly, of uh, of your dad's friends, he's probably the one you don't want. Like, if you're a dad, he's probably your friend you don't want hanging around your 15-year-old daughter. But that's okay. Um, you know, we're, we're fine here. Um, so yeah, they get... Yeah, they give Roxy a ride home in their van. Along the way, they get pulled over at a roadblock by the cops and that Van Owen dude, the alien hunter. But And he just gets real creepy close to them, like, grabbing onto their... Very, you know, does not believe in personal space all that much. They give him the brush off, and when they arrive at Roxy's home, she accidentally drops the uh, the baby food, and Laws is like, what's going on with this baby food here? But she's like, whatever, leave me alone. She goes back into the house. The, the way he does it, and this is, like, what I like about um, them not over-explaining, like, the characters or anything. He's mm-hmm. like, look, you know, if you need help with anything or if you're, like, you know, in some kind of situation, like, you can always talk to us or... Yeah, no, I agree. It's just established very early that these guys are not shitty people. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think that's really true. Um at the house, Skiz seems to be able to keep the baby food down without getting sick, and things seem like they're going to be okay. But then we see Van Owen mysteriously looming outside of Roxy's house. God, just creeper. Super. Big time creeper. Big time creeper. That's just a fact. Uh, sometime later, Skiz's eyes are full of mucus and is getting real <laughs> sick. Um, She's looking real gross. Looking real gross. He hopes that, uh, I, I, I like how we get, we sort of alternate between Roxy's mm. and Skiz's, uh, internal monologue. And I really like how Skiz sort of experiences and, and terms everything. Like he could, he doesn't think of Roxy as, as a, as an individual person. He's like the Roxy. Like she's mm. just a creature that's called Roxy as opposed to a human that's got a specific name, you know? <laughs> um. But so he, you know, he hopes the Roxy will, will, will come home soon. In fact, Roxy's back at school and things aren't going great. Uh, that, D- uh, Daryl, who may or may not be the dude Darren from Prague, th- uh, 310, and it's a sort of a, of a small yeah. mistake. But whatever. One way or another, he's been saying that he stayed at Roxy's house over the weekend if you take his meeting, and that's a bullshit. Oh, <laughs> man. And you know what you do as a strong, independent female character when you hear some bullshit? You punch that bullshit right in the stomach. Call him a fake, call him a pig. It's good times. But yeah, man, I don't appreciate these teenage, these, these English teenagers spreading rumors. Is this this what Hogwarts is really like, Fox? Is that oh, what I'm know. learning here today? 
I mean, look at their ties. There's even a kid who looks like Harry Potter walking Seriously, around. yeah. So, Roxy spends the rest of the day worrying about Skiz and is devastated to come home and find him so sick. She basically calls the only adult she can think of, which is that Laws guy. He arrives with Cornelius, who admires the ducks on the wall as Laws diagnoses Skiz's problem. Flippin' heck! Yeah, not not a not a good diagnosis. I should mention that um, I, I learned from one of our guests coming up for the specials and stuff that uh, uh, three ducks on the wall is, in fact, a good sign of a British middle classness that kind of comes from like EastEnders and stuff like that. Like it's really? a very it's a very like uh, like stereotypical thing to have on the wall is like three uh, wooden ducks. <laughs> Just okay. kind of funny, I think. Just another another thing that marks Skiz is the most English of all of these <laughs> thrills we've read so far in 2000 AD. I, I would have just knocked that up to they have some strange decor taste. Yeah, well, what it is is that it's more like sort of, I guess it's, it's, it's another coding thing like we talked about uh, Van Owen last week, where it's just sort of like coding these guys, like Roxy's families being kind of middle, uh, like, like middle class or something like that. Gotcha. Um... So, after some hard thinking and some deep thoughts by Skiz, who's in narration here, so we get, like, some, a lot of his, like, uh, judging, like, Laws and, uh, and Cornelius, and they're sort of, like, different, the way, different ways they carry themselves and stuff. Uh, which is, uh, which is generally all positive. Like, yeah. Like, wow. Yeah, it's like, he sees, and honestly, reading the character pretty well. Yeah, I mean, he definitely, like, just sort of sees, like, yeah, how, uh, like, Laz really cares about, like, presenting, like, a look of, like, uh, you know, being very put together, and, like, he's, Skiz kind of talks about, like, a casual elegance or something like that, and then with Cornelius, he talks about how he can sense, like, like a quiet strength coming off of Cornelius, that there's, he's got a lot that, like, you know, still waters run deep with Cornelius, basically. Yeah, man. Though, so, he does not have the appearance of a doctor. That's true. No, absolutely not. But after all this, Laws has an idea, because he's also genre savvy like, uh, like Roxy was last week. I'm loving this. Which is, basically, he saw E.T., um, and, you know, he, yeah, he remembers that, uh, the government shows up at E.T., and everything works out at the end of that, right? I mean, you know, that's not my personal reading of E.T., but I guess okay. Um, so they call emergency services, and soon an ambulance arrives as Cornelius tries to connect with Skiz in a very, like, kind of funny sequence. We just kind of gets on Skiz level and is like, do they have pipe fitters in uh, in space? I'm a pipe fitter. Um, whatever. <laughs> Real great, and the only response from Skiz is in his thought box. Skiz which is, is just, just a, a giant question, <laughs> question mark. Yeah. So uh, Roxy gets the door, and it's Van Owen and a bunch of goons in Enviro suits. They barge in. They pull out Roxy and, and Laws. He's like, "Watch the material." Uh, but Cornelius seems to be a different matter, as he then comes crashing through the front window of Roxy's apart of Roxy's house well, with so three other goons. Laws specifically warns them, like, "Hey, like, don't jostle him." The way you are with me because and then yeah. you just does not respond well yeah he's just going going crazy like dose him with like a tranquilizers and like take him away on, on a gurney basically yeah um there all the the three humans are taken into an ambulance and as sort of things are getting pretty serious laws admits that he ducked out of et about halfway through <laughs> which I mean, there, there's some key facts that happen near the end of that film. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. So, in the final prog, we cut to a Cornelius under uh, government questioning with a new forehead bandage, and he just isn't saying anything. He's just, but you know. He's also, like, in his own head, he's, like, thinking his own things. He's like, oh, like, here I am. I'm, like, this pretty whatever dude i can remember some basic information about myself also i'm one of the only people who's ever met an alien i'm pretty cool <laughs> right <laughs> meanwhile uh while while cornelius doesn't have much to say roxy has a lot to say she wants to know about laws and cornelius and especially about skiz uh, Van Owen is the one uh, who's really asking the questions, though, because he wants to know like what Roxy told Skiz about Earth, what kind of technology he has, and stuff like that. He starts to like threaten Roxy basically by yeah. saying he's gonna like you know telling her her friend's background, you know the very sort of like uh, like you know like you know Mister Laws has a criminal background, or you know like uh, yeah. he has to spend time in a mental institution or whatever. 
And she's um, like, I don't give a crap. They're uh, friends of the family and they're good people, you POS garbage exi- man. Definitely. Um, he then starts to... Uh, he, he then starts to generally threaten like Roxy's like safety and freedom, <laughs> but it, it ends with him leaving her with her parents who have come back from holiday on emergency. The ultimate punishment. Who her dad does not seem pleased about all this. Hands um, on hips, bent over stature. Just saying, well, as his, uh, as, uh, Roxy's mom is trying to like reason with him or something like that, which doesn't. Right. By just simply saying his name a few times. It doesn't seem good as terms of just a domestic situation. Uh, Roxy Oof. takes a look at them, pull out, pulls out her watch and says, uh, beam me up, Scotty. Oh, Star Trek reference. I, I love you, Skiz. Next time, just a terrible dream. And yeah, man, Skiz is doing real fun stuff. Uh, I really love just this story and all these characters and stuff. It's really neat. And the D&D party is being put together. There's going to be some sweet dope rescue attempts. There's going to be some some cool chasing. I can't w- I know this is going to happen and I'm all right with that cuz that's fucking exciting cuz I really like these characters and I'm really put into where this is going. I can I can either confirm or deny those uh those <laughs> that forecasting. Um but I I guess I'll confirm it. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, speaking of uh, Crazy Aliens, Fox. Oh, man. It's time for Thrill 3, Judge Dredd. Man, getting all preggers on us. Seriously. Yeah, like, man, they were just assuming it for Roxy, but it's true for Dredd. It just just goes to show, I guess. Uh, Script robot John Wagner and Alan Grant as T.B. Grover. Art robot Carlos Escara and Ron Smith letting robot Tom Frame. Tom, 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 Frame. So, as the starborn thing burns, Judge Dredd has a pain in his gut. Oh, and not great. Yeah, he does have a plan, though. He basically wanders out of the mutant encampment that he's in and makes it awesome. And as he leaves, the mutant village starts to get stomach pains as well. Dread manages to stumble to his bike at the mouth of the Hasanjo Valley. And, uh, he, as he gets there. He's like desires to get, to go back to, uh, Yeah, he just wants to go back in, yeah, deep into the valley and the spaceship in there. Like that's where he'll feel better. But he's also canny enough to realize that that's a ridiculous thing to think and that he's probably <laughs> in trouble. Um, and so basically he, uh, he instead cuffs himself to his lawmaster and tells it to drive him back to Mega City One and ignore all further commands. Like he's uh, engaging some Odysseus protocols here, I guess. <laughs> so great. Meanwhile, back at the encampment thing, the mutants want to head out to the valley as well, while the owl-like Hoot tries to stop them, but he's soon crushed by some debris and the townsfolk head out. Really Dread. I like I like Hoot's look. Yeah, man, he's a good. He's an owl dude. <laughs> Aboard his lawmaster, heading back to the city, Dread seems to go mad, wanting to go back to the valley, and the bike not letting him. As he um, when he arrives at the gates, he says he's about to have a baby, and that's oh, such man. a crazy thing to say that they take him <laughs> to the hospital right away. And in surgery, a med judge pulls a strange growth out of his abdomen. An egg. Oh, gross. Real gross. Super gross. So, uh, the mutants are being called to the nest, which is that ship in the Hosanjo Valley that's like just a two big, like, halves that have sort of cracked, that have cracked open. Mm-hmm. Time to get uh, all nestled up inside there. Yeah, one of the mutants has a big ear on his back, which I really appreciate just in terms of oh, a weird yeah. mutation. <laughs> So such a weird mutant design. It's great. Yeah, man. Scare is really going crazy with these mutants. It's always a strength of his, both in this and Strontium Dog. And I appreciate mm-hmm. it every time. Oh, man. The knee. The, and, yeah. And kidney, buddy. The torso. <laughs> torso from Newcastle, man. That's my favorite. And Negacy. At Mega City 1, everybody's freaked out by the prospect of more Starborn things. And H-Wagon does a flyover of the, uh, 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 as the mutants are, are all climbing to the ship, and it closes, which causes it to send a massive magnetic field that tears the H-Wagon apart. 
Uh, my favorite uh, mutant in the uh, in the nest scene is the one that has two faces coming out <laughs> on the left and right side of his right. face. Definitely, Dread explains that uh, it's probably an um, it's probably the next step for these things. They'll hatch in the ship and then eat their former hosts, and then the magnetic street screen will drop. There's nothing it's pretty to logical. Yeah, it seems to make sense. There's nothing to do now, but wait. Man, and uh, I'm pretty impressed with Dread. No postpartum. You know he's well. You know he he throws himself into his work, Fox. <laughs> Thirteen days later, uh, Dread is uh, is mid arresting a perp when news that the so that the uh, that the magnetic field is dropped, and he flies out to the valley to investigate. He goes out alone and just starts blasting parasites with incendiary rounds. Oh hell yeah! You ain't gonna he, get me twice. Bad yeah, news. no way. He goes to the sphere and finds it full of gross starboard things. He Gotta set this thing on fire. Yeah, he has an H wagon fly in and do an airstrike with a high intensity laser, and then has the whole valley sweep with a spectroscope to find any uh, squid dude survivors. Actually, when when it's flying in to do the. Um explodey shoot laser Mm -hmm. Uh, i didn't notice this before he's you can see him in that same image like just booking it yeah he's like all right i'm out of here (laughs) Uh, back in mega city one one of the tech judges has hatched dread's egg and it turns out that actually these squid things are like super duper smart like you just toss some junk into its uh, enclosure it'll have like a laser that can blast your face off in like a couple minutes (laughs) that's yeah just with a couple little bits of metal luckily the box is uh, laser proof so thank god for plastics yeah they'll keep it under lock and key for now but maybe someday they'll learn to communicate with this thing just don't call it dreads baby yeah it's uh it's good it's a good good little story Good alien stuff, man. Yeah, it's got some good, uh, you know, it's actually kind of similar, right, to actual alien of like, you know, the alien yeah. taking people over and like growing out of people and stuff. Maybe a little less bloody in terms of Judge Dredd, but then just, you know, I really like the, the parts last week where it's like the, you know, it's got complete control of Dredd except for his mouth yeah. and he's like walking around like warning people to kill him because like, <laughs> this beast has control of him and got stuff. to kill me. I love that. I'm always a big fan when people ask to be killed. Like, request a mercy killing? That's a terrible thing to say. But you know what I mean. I think that's really cool when that's in stories, dude. Like, whatever. Whatever. Don't judge me. Host this podcast. All right. (laughs) Next up, there's a... All right, man. You live your life. Please. Next up, there's a pretty fun, but also like a quick, just action-packed story. Basically... Yeah, this crazy dude crashes into an auto dealer because the car he bought ran out of gas. Um, he takes the car dealer hostage, and Dredd is responding. They go on a big chase over the streets of Mega City 1 with the perp driving off an overpass and landing on a hover bus and then taking those guys hostage. Well, I'm sure he killed quite a few people. A lot of death and destruction sort of incidentally going on here. Um, Eventually, he escapes from the bus and he gets hit right in the face by a big old fuel truck. I love the scene. They're like peeling him off the floor of this giant truck. The whole rampage was because he was out of fuel, but now he's into fuel in a big way. My favorite. Really need to work on this. It's you know it's just a thing. Uh, my favorite part was um, after he kidnapped the auto dealer guy. He later hit an ejection seat and ejected the guy out of the uh, out of the yeah. seat. And Judge Dredd finds him just sitting on the side of the roadway, just like strapped into the seat that he can't get out of. And um, he looks very not like he's very like calm about the whole thing, and just is a really like the way Ron Smith draws it is really funny. I think. Yeah. But speaking of things that are funny in Judge Dredd, hey, Fox, meet uh, Eck Muddux. He's a good guy. He follows us on Twitter, actually. So, you know, whatever. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, shout out. Not so stupid, then. I guess mm. not. Mm. He he has acquired the stupid gun, though, which is a gun that turns you into a gibbering idiot, unable to walk, talk, and prone to making messes. <laughs> Eck has used the gun on the creator of the gun, most of his family, and some goons that have tried to steal the gun from him. 
So good thing he's making this video so yeah. people know what the fuck. <laughs> Absolutely. And now the mob is after him and uh the judges have to clean up the mess, including this massive room full of stoops or stupid people. <laughs> You've been hit by the stupid gun. We kind of get like a little flashback into how yeah. this whole thing happened. Yeah, well, yeah, shooting the professor and all that. Yeah, Dredd says we have to catch him, and we basically just uh, flashback to a longer version of the story that Eck just told. <laughs> basically, um, like, like we we kind of get some more info, just like how Eck was placed in this job as part of like a job program for teenagers. Um, the professor is like just a general researcher, mad scientist kind of guy, including making the stupid gun, which he calls the, uh, neuro pattern dissembler. Uh, Eck accidentally shoots him with it and carries him home because he doesn't want to get in trouble. His parents yell at him, so he makes them stupid too. Later, he goes for groceries and supplies and stupids the owner, and then just some randoms on the street to steal their wallets. Uh, and then some goons see him and go after him, basically. And uh, return of the Shuggy Hall, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the goons are based out of a Shuggy Hall, and so that's where they base him. And also, when Dredd starts following up on all this stuff, he finds um, the Shuggy Hall completely full of stupid guys crawling around, eating the sticks and the balls and stuff. We got problems. Next time, Zoom Tube Stoops. What the fuck? <laughs> pretty good. Stoop gun. Stoop gun's pretty funny. I mean, this, yeah, the stupid gun really gives, you know, it's, it's another one of these things like Donato Sump Story or something mm. that really lets Ron Smith have a chance to sort of stretch out and just draw really crazy looking people doing crazy stuff, you know? <laughs> like a, like a dude with a dope Fu Manchu eating a shook stick. Yeah, just, you know, everybody pouring shit over their heads and stuff like that. It's real yeah. great dopey stuff. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, for sure. We're going to get some more Stupid Gun stuff next time. Nice. Yeah, but speaking of things that, I don't know, are dumb? No, nah, that's mean. But, like, you know, maybe you don't want to get shot in the face with, it's non-thrills, covers, and nerve center. <laughs> Definitely don't want to get shot in the face with non-thrills. No. So we start with uh, Prague 313. Get Dread down to the psycho unit. I think he's cracking up. As the starborn thing has infected Dread in this Carlos Escara cover. In the nerve center, Tharg the Captain Beefheart lets us know that international subscriptions are now available. Oh my god. Yeah, whoa. Uh, letters include a love note to Judge Hershey, a, a report of thrill. Yeah, totally. A report of thrill power overload from Harry 20, and a silly joke, and, oh sorry, and, uh, Silly joke complaints as well as requests for back issues. Mid-prog, there is some They're reader out of aliens. They don't have back issues, Fox. Uh, <laughs> Mid-prog, there's some reader out of aliens. My favorite is the... Yeah, the Hive Warrior by Alan Cockburn. Man, that's the good one. It's an awesome flying dude, dude. The Hive Warrior is so awesome. It's the most creepy thing. Definitely. And then this prog ends with a very orange pinup of Fink Angel and Ratty. R.I.P. You sweet angels. Oh. Yeah. Prog 314. Meet my metal assassins, Robo Hunter. Mm. Um, I really like how in how Ian Gibson draws Sam as seeming actually pretty calm as he's being killed by these teeny mechs. <laughs> the Cubs He's discover very surprised. It's true, yeah. So in the nerve center, Tharg brings the dark specter of anime to the prog in a contest for techno police. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's like an evil ghost. And letters ask ask for female <laughs> right. And, fe- and letters ask for female Earthlets to no longer be referred to as Earthlets with like a Earth L E T T E E S. Just you know, one T and one E. That's fine. Um, yeah. What? No. No. No need to discriminate with weird term with diminutive terms. There's. A, uh, a 2080 uh, poem, and Tharg claims ownership of writing the Mighty Tharg stories. Well, that's great. Uh, you can own their disaster. Then. Yeah, you know, can enjoy the uh, the positives with the negatives there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's also a pretty awesome picture of Harry 20. Even if it is, like, very trace-heavy, it's still pretty neat. Oh, um, sure. 
The co- the uh, contest is for Technopolis, which seems like a very middle-of-the-road, early-80s anime story, you know? You can always tell because the main character is called Ken, which is like, I feel like, I don't know, there's a point in the 80s where like every hero of a Japanese thing is, is called Ken, whether it's anime or like a Godzilla movie, um, at, but whatever. At the same time, I feel like Gundam was out, which was just the better Oh, yeah. Series. Listen, this is just like, you know, this is just like the early, like, trial balloons of anime, <laughs> you know? <laughs> As I understand it, at least. Yeah. Basically. I feel like this is contemporaneous with Speed Racer. But, uh, oh, really? I don't know. Maybe. I, I, I've done my research for that, I got to say. Uh, I but Speed Racer was like 1970. I don't want to speak authoritatively on it. I don't know. That's um, okay. I'm not an anime expert. Yeah. So 20 kids can win a Techno Police tape by guessing what Dread would say about the Techno Police. And I like this contest because you can, because so, when you enter, you have to select your video type. And there's VHS, Beta, and V2000, which is this crazy Brit only tape format that looks like a giant audio cassette. It's kind of neat. Beta uh, for life, dog. Whoa. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Maybe for your life, but not for the life of the format. Uh, <laughs> Mid-prog, there's also an action video page with the game Star Wars Jedi Arena, which sounds pretty cool. Um, and a Vectorex self-contained video si- video game system, which is neat. Less neat is the pinup at the end of the comic for the great spotted Thrill Sucker, which whatever about that guy. Yeah, no one cares. Yeah, Thrill, pay, uh, Prog 315, look, mommy, that judge is going to miss his bus. <laughs> the Ron Smith cover with Dread jumping off onto uh, onto the speedway. Why the nerve not? Si- yeah, be careful. In the uh, in the Nerf Center, Tharg, the mean machine, talks up a free gift that uh, this prog, which is Phil Edmonds Spotlight on Sport Booklet. Whatever, I don't care about sports, man. I'm a sci-fi dude. There's, what is this? <laughs> I don't know. It's not included in any of the scans that we have or anything. Um, <clears throat> there's a fun picture of an art droid by Mark Orton, and readers ask about dread Dread's clothes, ask for more female characters, and provide the publisher's favorite solution for damaged props just to buy two. <laughs> Mid- you got Rox- Roxy's in here now. That's what Thark I mean, says. Yeah, Roxy's great. Mostly it's like, yeah, they, 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 they sort of complain about like, uh, like the executioner and maybe one or two other characters that have sort of been female but then been killed or like how the, the chief judge and like Hershey Anderson don't really just show up at the pages all that often. Stuff clearly, like that. clearly this reader didn't start around the death planet times and good for them i mean that's super fair i <laughs> believe that you know that that is also in the old one-eyed times uh, top female oh, character yeah. until roxy shows up top female character <laughs> of all time. but so uh mid there's more even more alien monsters including a cool galactic warrior a robot ca- uh, cowboy tabor scourge of the galaxy and i don't know from the planet what's it <laughs> Uh, this prog, yeah, this prog ends with a tech pinup for Major Magnum. It lets us know that it's a pistol, but it also fires micro missiles, which I think is pretty dope. Why not, right? Totally. Uh, three sixteen, prog three sixteen. We're getting dumb with the suit with the stupid gun as Ron Smith gives us some real stoops. In the nerve center, Robo Tharg, and that's uh, like Robo Hunter Tharg, not like uh, Robocop Tharg, <laughs> once again says not to send money. They don't have back issues. Stop doing it. Stop sending us money. Yeah. We appreciate it. Yeah. It's not there, you know, whatever. Letters are very sad about the end of Harry 20 and suggest some more pun prison prisoner names. <laughs> um. <laughs> Then there's a report on misprints and the Judge Dread board game, which I'm happy to say that the copy of the Judge Dread board game that I was recently sent by friend of their show, Eamon Clark of the Mega City Book Club, does not have. It's fully intact and so awesome. Yeah, um, it's fun to yeah. play. I haven't had a chance to play it yet because it seems like it takes an hour and stuff, but it's pretty complicated and I think it looks real neat. It's just a good, at the very least, it's now real good on my shelves, so that's good enough for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, and then there's another one of these letters that's like, oh, I just read Prog 1, I can't wait for Prog 2, which don't seem funny to me, but they do seem to show up now and then. Uh, Mid-Prog, Specs is here for more sci-fi book reviews, including General Pulp by Christopher Stashef, some infotainment books about the, uh, an infotainment book about the solar system, and the best of Robert Heinlein, volumes 1 and 2. 
And then this okay. prog ends with a pretty awesome pinup of Harry 20 and some random dudes victorious sure. over the slugs on the high rock. Yeah, it's nice, right? Fuck yeah, man. I love Harry 20. It's good. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. But speaking of um, interesting stories, I don't know. Oh, no. Yeah. Sorry. Speaking of Major Magnum and his crazy ma- uh, mini-missiles, it's <laughs> Thrill 4 Rogue Trooper. Oh, man. Let's develop this character to be a questionable entity. <laughs> Real good. Script Robot Jerry Finley Day. Art Robot Brett Ewins and Cam Kennedy. Letting Robot Bill Nuttall. So yeah, man, uh, Major Magnum, biochip officer and pistol is showing off his stuff to rogue, to rogue and the chips by destroying oxygen bottles. Like, oh, what if someone needed that oxygen? Ah, screw that, buddy. (laughs) You're either in or you're out. This is a war. Yeah, Magnum takes a dim view of traitors and deserters, which, uh, you know, Rogue of the Chips are definitely deserters. Just don't tell them. Shut up! But <laughs> the, but this conversation is interrupted by signs of a battle nearby at a Pueblo pyramid, which is a solar-celled pyramid thing. Kind of cool. Yeah, Rogue heads out, marching for hours as the Major yells at him the whole time, and arrives at the pyramid to find it mostly broken and in the middle of an active conflict. Oh, man. Yeah, he bumps into some Souther soldiers, and we learn the Norts have. This is fucked. Yeah, well, he, they they they've they've taken over the place. They've they've fortified the different slopes and stuff, and they call it the Microwave Mountain. And they're quickly taken to a central command of like the assault on Microwave Mountain, where there's like a lieutenant in charge. And Magnum immediately takes command from the lieutenant, and his first order is for the lieutenant to use Major Magnum to pistol whip every one of his soldiers for cowardice. Like, what the fuck, man? (laughs) That's not a... Don't... You don't... You don't inspire loyalty by pistol whipping dudes. I know that, you know? (laughs) It's just like fucking not cool, man. No, Major Magnum is a jerk. Oh, but I should say... yeah. Yeah, total dick bag, total dick chip. Uh, we haven't been men- <laughs> <laughs> we haven't been mentioning it, Fox. But all these stories start with a real. I, I think it's a pretty cool, like Brett Ewins, just like picture of Rogue Trooper, like sort of like yeah. hanging out and looking cool. Like it's got a dark background and it's very like sort of here's a cool like Rogue Trooper pinup. Um, also, I should say that uh, all the biochips have skulls in them, and Major Magnum's skull is smoking a cigar, which I think is also pretty funny. Like, he's just smoking a cigar in his biochip. That's um, how you know he's hardcore about war. Absolutely. So, after a few pistol whippings, Rogue sort of puts an end to it and says, like, hey, I'll show these guys how to be brave by assaulting Microwave Mountain myself. But mostly just to stop the pistol Mostly, whippings. yeah. Mostly just to stop the pistol whippings. Um, <laughs> so... Rogue uh, goes out that night to do so, sneaking around and taking out the Nords silently. Um, but Magnum ain't got time for that and starts shouting for situation reports, which alert the Nord guards. Just like, so, really, you're just trying to get people killed? Or it's super, what? like, being a jerk thing of, like, like what's Rogue doing out there? And the, yeah, let's and the, genetically <laughs> modify you to be less of a fucking loudmouth. How yeah. about that? And Lieutenant's like, dude, you gotta be quiet. You're gonna alert everybody. Rogue's up there being sneaky. He's like, what? Speak up! We gotta start oh, shooting! Oh, God damn it! <laughs> and then, you know, that that alerts a Nord guard. Magnum shoots the guard, but surprise is lost. And so just a massive assault on the pyramid begins. Uh, there's heavy fighting everywhere. Rogue eventually arrives at the top of the pyramid. And it looks like the uh, battle has been won or has been finished, basically, by the Norts and Southers killing each other completely. They wiped each other out. Uh, there's... There's one, yeah, there's one survivor, and that's like a Nort radio guy who's just got an emergency breath mask on and is quickly dying, and Major Magnum held in a dead man's hands who's heard that reports that Rogue Trooper is a traitor, and man, now he's gonna shoot Rogue himself for being a deserter. Which... Come on, man. This guy is no good. So it's a standoff. Uh, Rogue wants to help the dying Nort just so he doesn't have to die in, like, agony as the chemical as the chemical air of New Earth, like, eats him alive, basically. Yeah. But uh, Magnum won't let him. 
Magnum then tries to bribe the other chips, like Bagman, Gunner, and Helm, into betraying Rogue in the, with the offer of being regened and regiven their, uh, their bodies back, but they refuse. Yeah, so, of course. Because, like, they don't want to give up their buddy, and, like, Magnum is a jerk. You don't choose a jerk over your buddy. Then, Never. finally, uh, Gunner shoots on his own and manages to, uh, shoot Magnum out of the dead man's hands. And he oh. lands on the ground, shooting ineffectually and bitching like a child. And eventually running out of ammo. So, mm-hmm. what's to be done? The answer, Rogue gets out items 10 and 69. Nice. From Bagman. <laughs> <laughs> Removes Magnum's biochip and then puts the chip into a chip case. And then turns that chip case into a Souther salvage squad where he'll be taken back to Millicom Command and stuff like that. But seriously, get that back fast, because that shit degrades. So, seriously. You know. yeah. He uh, he keeps the pistol for himself, just in case. Yeah, and, why not? Yeah, and then Rogue heads out into the wastes of New Earth, the giant wormhole overhead. Time to keep moving. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so our final Rogue Trooper story starts with some weird uh, world building. It's a, it's a world building story with uh, with art by Cam Kennedy this time. We see explorers arriving in New York, New Earth, and it's all nice. And we flash forward to modern times, which all war torn and crappy. Uh, once again, trying to figure out the chemical that renders Rogue unconscious, a squad of Nort technical dudes is just set up an ambush with darts tipped with a whole bunch of different kinds of toxins. Yeah, it's like a it's a special squad that's now out to get him, and there's yeah. 24 known species that will actually from from this area that they've narrowed it down to being one of these 24. So they just... 24 dudes. Yes, they just porcupine them with all these different blow darts and the different toxins. Horrible. So, one of them works and he passes out, which is nice. But which Uh, one, I guess, don't know. Who knows? Um, But anyhow, hey, Fox, I'm like one of these Nord soldier guys. I sure wonder if, like, you know, there's this toxin that can mess with Rogue. I wonder if there's some other weird plant or animal life around here on New Earth, Uh, right? Oh, man, Conrad, I'm another Nord soldier, and it's like, dude, everything is fucking, like, double dead here. Why are you even worried about it? These are caves aren't even fucking, it don't matter. Stack! One of our men's been killed, but how? Oh, jeez, there's a New Earth monster that's gonna kill us all! <laughs> Shoot ineffectually and he discovered he's dead later. Keep shooting ineffectually. Oh, we're dead. Um, yeah. <laughs> Rogue eventually comes to, uh, manages to see the aftermath of that particular conversation, and then heads out like, whoa, that's weird. Anyhow, time for the next adventure. <laughs> really? Like, that's his experience. Like... They have so much dialogue around him talking to other people, but it's really just him saying, like, whoa, that's Yeah, that's he sees some, he sees some footprints, decides not to follow them, and heads out. <laughs> Seems like a good choice. Yeah. Next time, beware the bio-wire. All right, then. Yeah, but I thought Major Magnum was a pretty fun story, dude. It's good. Um, Like, I don't know, maybe gives you some more depth about the about, about the, the, the uh, genetic, the GIs, I guess. Um, I agree. And mostly just like a good, like, yeah, like just uh, more examples of Rogue actually like literally being Rogue and like rejecting authority and stuff, which, well, you know, we actually don't see that much, despite the name. Jerks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely also just another one of these things of like, you know, uh, as much as like the Norts are clearly like Nazis with like KKK inspired hoods and stuff, like. <laughs> The Southers aren't exactly good guys. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> like, no, no. The military-industrial complex of both sides seems to have some... Uh, yeah, neither one is, is all that super. <laughs> no, and they're pretty shitty to all of their troops. It's just that one side seems a bit more brainwashed than the other. Right, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it feels like they're setting up for a future... Future adversarial character. Which I'm Indeed, into. yeah. Major Magnum will return, although I forget when, but it's going to happen. Anyhow. <laughs> but speaking of, um, I don't know, enemies off in the distance, perhaps through the mists of time, it's <laughs> 305 Time Twisters and One-Offs. 
So, you know, varying levels of things here this week. Um, <laughs> the Avenging Kong meets Laurel and Hardy. That's, That's right. That's the name of this time <laughs> Yeah, script about Alan Grant of Stavros, art about Mike White, letter about Peter Knight. Yeah, so a sexy axe lady uh, kills a bunch of Mongols, but it turns out that she's actually a robot who goes through time doing action movie stuff to be filmed by a futuristic movie company. This I got really super dangerous i mean it's okay because she's just a robot like it's not a big deal uh, she's killing people that maybe didn't die in the past you know i think it's from what they're saying they're mostly going like filming it at places where pe- they know people are going to die anyway i'm just surprised at how often this seems to come up of um movie companies saving money on sets by traveling through time like i That's feel like there's been at so least expensive Two or three future shocks where this is where or time to just where, where that's been the plot, you know. Uh, so great, yeah. But so yeah, so this lady, she's a robot actress lady. Um, whatever, <laughs> things are going good. They send her back to fight a sea monster aboard the 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 Mary Celeste, you know, like like before the crew disappears there and stuff. Um, and it, yeah, everything is fine until suddenly the film studio is attacked by a giant ape from the future. So Avenging crazy. Kong kill bad movie men. Because <laughs> Fox, it looks like there's e- an even more futuristic film studio that's destroying them for even more futuristic movies of time travel. Oh man. Uh... You, Anyhow, you reap what you sow. Yeah, with those guys destroyed, trying to get Kong back here, so we can send him back in time again to meet up with Laurel and Hardy and do a crossover movie there. I just like, are they going to kill Laurel and Hardy? That seems to be like the theme here. Is yeah, send but them back in time to murder. Maybe, or it could just be a team up. You know, it's like all the like all those Laurel and Hardys and Abbott and Costello movies did team ups, like the Wolfman or Dracula and stuff like that. Or that one time Gilligan's Island uh, had the Harlem Globetrotters, and then the scientist guy made robots to play against the Harlem Globetrotters, but the Harlem Globetrotters still won. Whoa, really? Yeah. I haven't seen that Gilligan's Island, dude. That's real sad on my part. Dude, it's, that's like real good. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I can't imagine the kind of coconut-based uh, basketball technology they'd have. <laughs> Anyhow, next we've got a story called Mr. Macabre, which I thought was pretty good. Awesome. Yeah. Alan Grant is Stavros, art robot Massimo Bellardinelli, letting robot Steve Potter. So yeah, this is a good spooky story here. Uh, spooky the, ghost story. Absolutely. The big, round, evil form of Mr. Macabre. I love Sa- his tiny legs. He's really just like a big, bo- like no one is more apple shaped than Mr. Macabre. <laughs> um, he's a savior of souls. Oh, but like an apple with a top hat, for the record. Um, he's a savior of souls, and he arrives the president of Scutchin Pan Global, where it turns out that a year ago, Scutchin himself sold his soul to the devil Balak for fame and fortune. You know, Not a real great situation, but he just wanted the demon to go away. You know, and like he got a lot of stuff. He got gold and jewels raining from the sky, even a downpour of delicious caviar. Mm. <laughs> you know, caviar wishes, champagne dreams, and crazy demon contracts. That's like the movie I want to watch. Definitely. Besides the usual crazy rich guy stuff, and I love Skitchian's, uh rich guy fur coat. It's really nice. Oh, it's, yeah. it's super posh. <laughs> um, but he also gets his legal, gets a fancy legal department to look at the contract, and they finally find a microscopic fine print that says, "After one year, Belak will return to claim his soul." Not so great. And, and that you know, while listening to this story. You know, have a cheese sandwich. Well, you know, yeah, the demon comes tonight, and Scutcheon's like, hey, so are you going to help me, Mr. Copper? And he's like, yeah, listen, I'm I'm here to do stuff. Uh, you know, let's just wait. Do you want a cheese sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> so, so good. So, this is my favorite part of this. He's like, we're going to wait, man. Cheese sandwich? Yeah, chill out. So, so Balak appears... And Mr. Macabre, um, he attacks the demon with mystical abilities and swiftly defeats it. Hat and eye lasers. Yeah, just not even a challenge. Opens up that top hat on him, eye lasers him a little bit. <laughs> These are all cool powers to have when you look the way he does. Yeah. So listen. But yeah, so that's going good. Uh, the Balak's defeated. Good times. But wait. 
Oh man, Mr. Macabre's way up in my per- in Mr. Scotian's <laughs> personal space here. <laughs> this is weird. Oh, um, his hands are coming right at my face. It turns out that he does indeed save souls for his own private collection. He takes Scutcheon's soul and wanders off into the dark night of Milton Keynes. This is real good. I liked it a lot. Real good. Real good twist. Real good evil guy being evil. I, uh, I thought it was real good indeed. Do you know if he ever comes back? Is this just a one-off? I think this is just a one-off. Yeah, it's not It's not a returning character. It's just a little, like, here's a spooky story for, you know, late March. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, it, it's The Big Clock. Script robot Alan Moore. Art robot Eric Bradbury. Letting oh, robot Pete Knight. Ridiculous. Yeah, man. This is just ridiculous. Time, dude. Whoa, what, what, what's the deal with time? As I would say in a, if I was a eighties uh, stand-up comedian, like we know time is wibbly wobbly. We know it keeps slipping into the future. Uh, but for real, like, what's the deal with it? So to find out, let's go to the big clock in the center of eternity to find out. There, we meet Mr. Arthur Seck, the foreman, and he shows us around just a silly factory full of time puns. Uh, <laughs> Real good. There's miners mining raw time that gets refined by the three weird sisters, then gets soared into different kinds of time. You know, there's good times, which we, which we talk about a lot, uh, oh, bad yeah. times, even salad days. Then Which... We, Oof, we go to real bad. Yeah, something. Then we go off to a bunch of other stuff. There's like tense seconds and depression years. We see that there's a time forecast that uh, ensures that like boring stuff takes a long time and fun stuff is over really quickly. There's <laughs> so ridiculous. There's a dude in a closet that's just in charge of re- of remembering everything, and and uh, Sec in- interrupts him, and so he forgets where everybody put their ballpoint pens. <laughs> <laughs> And the whole thing sort of ends up with uh, Sek realizing that he hasn't turned the mainspring yet today. He's got to turn it every day. He runs to do it as time grinds to a stop. Oh, we're all frozen in time because Mr. Sek was giving us a tour. Bam, bam, bam. But this is a fun, this is, you know, this is one of these Alan Moore ones where he's just like, hey, I'm just going to explain something crazy and there's going to be a lot of puns. And I think that that's a fun story for sure. Yeah, it was ridiculous. It was stupid. And yeah, I it was, loved it. I thought it was great. Um, next up, we've got Dr. Dibsworthy, dis, Dr. Dibsworthy's oh. Disappointing Day. This is uh, exactly the kind of time shenanigans that I like. Yeah. And I especially like it because each time he's trying to solve a problem, he's murdering someone. Absolutely. Yeah, so scripture about Alan Moore, Alan, uh, art about Alan Langford, letter about Jack Potter. So this one isn't listed as a time twister, but I can't think of few things are more time twister than this story. Yeah. Um, the other time twister in this, the actual time twister in this prog is weird, but we'll get to it soon. But, uh, so Dr. Dibworthy is your standard sort of mustachioed mad scientist kind of guy. He's built a time machine in his workspace and his workspace is full of, uh, you know, smart guy junk, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> Busts and crap. Yeah. His machine, his time machine can send a small object into the past, but he can't bring him back. So he decides to prove that it works by just slightly changing history, he drops a flat iron onto the head of a Turkish diplomat in 1057. <laughs> then he drops an anvil on the head of King John just before the signing of the Magna Carta. Soon, Doesn't seem like a good idea. No, soon he saved the Titanic. He's prevented the steam engine from being developed and let the Japanese win World War II. But nothing works, man. History stays the same every time. So he goes to stop the primal atom and end all of existence. And then nothing happens. Nothing at all. So keep in mind, every time he's braining someone with like an item, yeah. Well, that's the thing like is that each, what's, each yeah. image it changes. What's actually happening is that yeah, he, notices. Yeah, he is changing history, but his memory is changing with that history. So things always seem the same. So instead, as he tosses things, we see like his clothing and all the stuff in his workshop change. So like suddenly, you know, of course, the first thing is that the Nazis have won World War Two, and his bust of um like Isaac Newton is changed to like a Himmler bust or something like that. Um, 
later, like the Japanese win World War II and he's dressed like a coolie or something. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, the final thing is that he's just like straight up wearing like witch doctor clothes, like just stereotypical, <laughs> like face paint and like grass skirt, like witch doctor stuff. So great. it's just great because it's one of these things where it's like, yeah, he's changing history, but his memory is changing with it. Something that's so often in a time travel story do- doesn't happen. And like, you're the one person who remembers things the way they used to be. And no one really addresses that, you know? So I think this is a great uh, time travel story. Definitely a lot of fun. So um, it's on the nose funny. Yeah, definitely. Uh, maybe on the other side of being maybe more weird than fun, oh, it's TC Spud's first case. Uh, script. <laughs> Totally weird. Script about Alan Grant as Stavros. Art wrote about Jim Eldridge. Letting wrote about Tony Jacob. So yeah, so this weird-ass story. A uh, potato with a gun arrives and shoots a man who is mashing some potatoes. His wife can't believe it, so the potato explains. Apparently, after the big nuke out in 1999, underground dwellers quickly evolved slash mutated into sentient beings. First it was the ants. Then it was the moles. Now it's the mutated potatoes that control the future. The they've, true rulers. They've developed lasers and time travel, and now they're going back in time to kill everybody who ever mistreated a potato. Generally by, like, cooking them and eating them and stuff. Because, you know, if you're a potato and you see the various things that people do to potatoes to eat them, you know, cutting off their skins, boiling them, dipping oh. them, cutting them into pieces and dipping them into burning hot grease, etc. Covering them in delicious delicious butter or uh you know like whatever cutting them into curly fries then it's oh, bad times God, you know most you, ultimate form yeah. of fucking potato you get angry and you go back and you and you go back in time and get revenge but the lady wants to know why her husband why not her she's cooked tons of potatoes don't worry lady he's on his way there the potatoes are coming for you and everybody else oh we're all gonna get slaughtered by murderous time traveling ladies rolling potatoes <laughs> okay so here's a question for you right yeah. like all right <clears throat> he goes into the pass and he shoots yep. the guy right and the wife and the wife is there and witnesses yeah. it and he explains this but then he goes a little bit farther back into the past and shoots the wife in front of the husband who's there so this means that when he went the first time into the past to shoot the husband the wife was still alive which means he never went into the double past to shoot the wife nah then I've... go into the past again yeah you know I feel like it's just that, like, he's in the middle of a time event, and so the time streams haven't had a chance to wibbly-wobbly their way back into being settled again. Um, but also, man, these potatoes don't yeah, care God. about ta- causality, buddy. They don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> they're just going to go back and kill people for the fuck of it. Yeah, they're potato men. They don't worry about that stuff. That's for humans. <laughs> it's fair. Yeah, of course it's fair. And speaking of fairness, Fox, oh, man, that's it for our show. Oh man, we it's covered all the thrills. Now. We got to talk about comics a little bit more. That's right. April and May 1983, Prog's 3:13 to 3:16 in the rearview mirror. The question remains, though: What were your top and bottom thrills? Oh fuck! It, this month's pretty hard. Um, really, I, I like the direction for Robo Hunter. I really enjoyed uh, Judge Dread this month, baby. Mm-hmm. It was. Real good, but man, oh man, this is going straight to the skiz zone. I'm loving skiz, man. I love uh, yeah. skiz so damn much. I like these new characters. I like what's getting developed. I like, uh, you know, that they're pretty self-aware of like what this is similar to. Yeah, I, I like, like that, that one too. It it's a it's a comic that is in the current era of these comics, right? And mm-hmm. and is is aware of sci-fi and and it's like it's doing tip of the hat stuff while also like doing a story that's real good in a different way. Man, I'm I'm loving it and I I love Skiz. Yeah. Uh for bottom bro, I mean, I don't know. Um hmm. I'd go with like so time twisters weren't like bad this month, but they were like, eh, it's fine. Mm-hmm. You know? Road Trooper was great. The rest of them were great. Like you could, if you needed to, you could probably skip over the time twisters this round and be like, "All right, you miss much, but you should read the potato one. That one's fucking bizarro." It's just, it's all over the place. I don't even know what's going on. Or, or the the macabre one. That one's real great. Yeah. 
I feel like I've, I, I mispronounced macabre a lot. I don't know how to pronounce that word, and I've probably made a real mess of it, so I apologize for everybody. Uh, Neil Gaiman pronounces it macabre. Whoa, that's too much. I feel like that's not right either. But yeah, okay, so you're saying Time Twisters is your bottom? How about you, man? Super fair. Um, I'm going to say my bottom is uh, Robo Hunter this month, um, or this episode. Yeah. Just be- Mostly it's just because, like, I don't like when there's a ton of, when they give us the start and they do a lot to pick it back up again, you know? Like, we kind of yeah. spent, like, the, we spent sort of the last four issues getting to the point where we were at the start of the story last episode, you know? <laughs> yeah. Which... I'm not super feeling. I'm kind of the same way with a stupid gun, just because like that is such an extensive opening, and then they just recap the whole thing in the course of the prog. So like, I mean, you know, that just really felt like oh, like they just need an extra page or something like that, or something. I don't know. It didn't work very well for me because it felt like, well, okay, I, I know all this stuff or whatever. But anyhow, but I'm gonna say Robo Hunter for doing that puts it in the bottom. Uh, for top man, it's Skiz, dude. I love this Skiz story. I like Skiz a whole lot. It's one of my uh, it's one of my faves, and so I'm glad we're talking about it. And I'm glad we're at it. Like this is real, like cool stuff. I love these characters. I love everything that's going on. You know, we're at this part where things are starting to get bad, and um, or like you know, rough. I should say, like hard for the characters. And I'm really excited to get um, to keep trucking through for sure. Man, strong fucking agree. It's so. It's fresh, man. It's like real fresh. Yeah, no, um, really. Like, like, I mean, like I said earlier, just how it feels really English. Like, it, yeah, it feels really like, like not. I mean, you know, as much as it's a story about like a, a space alien, you know, <laughs> like it also feels like realistic. I guess, or it feels yeah. like like these are real characters in a real setting and stuff, which I think is kind of a first for 2000 AD. Kind of been having kind of a, a, a gritty, realistic story, but it's also just real bold storytelling for a comic book for many in, in any situation um i think it's real great i really like it a lot dude it was like it's it's this year has been because uh, you remember we were talking not too long yeah. ago like i really wish they would do more um kind of these one-offs or like strong stories that just have a start and an end and i mean so far buddy buddy we've gotten harry in the high rock and we've yeah. got fucking skiz yeah like, they've I'm both been real great this. additions for sure yeah this just sort of be being a real hard year for like uh like best overall you know oh interesting i think yeah i i mean i agree i think there's a lot of good stuff and i think and i feel like you know we've had two but we haven't even really gotten to like all the meat of this year you know we still got slain we still got the return of uh, nemesis and strong team dog so like you know Fuck. buckle in your thrill circuits that's what i'm trying to say <laughs> too much Nah. Our cup runneth over. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's golden age, buddy. It's what happens when you're in the golden age. Anyhow, <laughs> I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or on our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Uh, <gasps> feel, feel free. This is the second time you've actually said it has been pre-recorded, so I'm feeling good. Um, feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2000 forums or on our facebook instagram or twitter pages on twitter at space spinner 2k for everything else just look up space spinner 2000 and we should be there oh yeah yeah and then come back next time as dread fights the stupid gun and then heads out to a space condo sam slade gets ghosty rogue trooper remembers millicom skiz suffers at the hands of the government and dr and quinch have fun on earth oh yeah what the fuck man i just love dropping all these like um uh, hints that I know our, our readers are going to cheer about and you're just like what are you talking about that's my favorite thing about this podcast in general uh, until then I'm Conrad he's Fox and we are Space Spinner 2000 Splendid Birth Rig.